Hello and welcome back to Redirected. My name is Andrew East and this is a show all about life's unexpected events. We all go through them and whether it's your career or some family issue, uh, I wanted to sit down with people who have made it through these unexpected events well in order to glean some wisdom and also hear some interesting stories to go with it. Today we're continuing our Forbes 30 Under 30 series talking with young people who are redirecting the future and changing the course of what uh, the next generation is going to look like. And our guest today is Derek Imsley. He is the uh, co-founder and CEO of Tintree, which is a earth-first lifestyle apparel company. The mission of the company is to plant 10 trees for every piece of clothing sold. And so far, the company has planted over 35 million trees that provide local jobs, food security, and environmental benefits. It's an amazing story, and he's an amazing guy, so I appreciate him taking the time to sit down with me. If you want to learn more about Derek and what he's up to, including all about his company, Ten Tree, if you go buy a shirt from them, you will help contribute to the planting of 10 trees, which is amazing. Anyway, I will link all his information down below, and if you haven't, please subscribe to the show and give it a rating on whatever platform you're listening on. Without further ado, I bring you Derek Imsley. Derek, pleasure to meet you. Thanks for uh, taking the time to sit down today. Yeah, man. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Listen, so we were kind of just jib-jabbing before, but the number 50 million, what does that mean to you? <laughs> it, uh, it's a pretty special number for us. You know, we've, um, we've been doing this now for about uh, eight years. And as of this week, we're going we're gonna to have planted our 50 millionth tree. So, uh, yeah, we're, it's a pretty special number right now for us. Is that all the trees that have ever been planted in the world? Like I'm trying to think 50 million, man. Yeah, it's a big number, you know, and it's, it's funny because our, our goal is a billion. That's the big goal that we set out where we say, you know, by 2030 and 10 years, we want to plant a billion trees. We took that first step, 50 million. But, you know, also at the end of the day, like it happens with one tree at a time. So not one is more important than the other, which is, uh, you know, it's, it's been a fun journey though. And these trees are planted all over the world. All over. We've got projects ongoing right now in Senegal, Madagascar, Canada, us, Mexico, Nepal, Indonesia, and more. So I'm really excited to dig in a little deeper with that, but I, I always love, first of all, just doing a little perusing on your personal life. I see that you and your wife have two dogs. Is that right? We do. We Big do. dog people. Yeah. They're, um, you know, it's funny. I, 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 the way I always tell people is my wife wanted a dog. We didn't, or I didn't. So we compromised and got two. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, they, they're great though. They're, they're awesome. We, we love them. Oh man. I feel that in my soul. Now <laughs> four, four years in the marriage, man, that compromise thing. It's a miracle, you know? Yeah. Doesn't so it doesn't always seem to work out maybe as I planned it to, but um, <laughs> lots of compromise. <laughs> I would love to hear. I, I like to hear people's foundation and upbringing and kind of what shaped them into who they are today. So, if you could talk about things like what your parents did and the context which you grew up in, kind of like the potted version of uh, of of how you got to where you are right now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's 
I, I was born and raised in the prairies uh, up here in Canada. And, you know, my, I, I grew up in an entrepreneurial house. My dad had a number of different companies growing up. And, you know, my mom was always kind of pushing us to sort of explore and do and kind of stretch ourselves and do do whatever we wanted. And, and there wasn't really a prescribed path. And, you know, say we were fortunate because it uh, when we were in high school, it was kind of like our first opportunity to to have a summer job, we kind of went up to my mom and dad and my brother and I said, you know, we, we have this idea, we want to plant trees. We want to, uh, we, we don't want to, you know, go work in a grocery store. We want to plant mm -hmm. trees and we want to, we want to buy farmland outside of our hometown and we want to plant a bunch of trees on it. And the idea was a lot of people were talking about carbon offsets and we felt like there was a lot of people talking about the issues. Very few people actually focused on making an impact and, and trying to find the solution. And for us, that's what got us excited about tree planting. So uh, back in high school, my brother and I started a company. We planted 150,000 trees. We, we partnered with companies all across Canada to sell carbon offsets. And you know, it, it never really turned into what we expected. It kind of fizzled and we ended up shutting down the company a number of years back. But it opened our eyes to the impact tree planting had both mm -hmm. domestically here in Canada and the United States, but also globally uh, providing jobs and food security and things like that. And, and it, it kind of served in, in a lot of ways as the, as sort of the genesis of what we built here with Tentry because my brother and our other co-founder kind of came around and they said, well, you know, we, we understand tree planting. We see the impact it has but we don't want to build anything that's based on a government program, you know, carbon offsetting. And we want to build something that's based on our ability to basically drive demand and use that demand to plant trees. And, mm. and for us, that's, that's apparel. So we plant 10 trees for every item we sell. So this environmentalist motivation, where, where do you credit that to? You know, it was, there, there isn't really a, you know, I'm sure I should have a better story of like the, the aha moment that kind of came to me. But honestly, I think like a lot of people, it's kind of been a evolving story. And, and yeah. I, I think it's reflective of everybody. Everyone's kind of going through their own understanding of what their approach to being sustainable is, how they want to have an impact. And, and I mean, when I look at myself, I, I'm by no means a perfect environmentalist. Like I, you know, I have, I have to travel, I have a car, like I, I'm probably shower too much. Like, you know, there's, there's all these decisions I make that aren't perfect. Mm. But for us, that was kind of at the core of what we, we wanted to do was we wanted to create a safe space for that because our big belief was we're not perfect environmentalists and most people aren't. So how do we get, how do we create a space where there can be more imperfect environmentalists because that's how you change the world is by creating more imperfect environmentalists i i think that's a pretty important point actually you know you hear all these entrepreneurs say like you gotta you gotta have a story of like what what's your your turning point that you made and why and sometimes it's just good to care about something because it matters you know like <laughs> so i think i think not having like some dramatic Oh, I was, you know, I, I grew up in the wilderness and, and the nature was my mother, whatever it is, you know, like yeah. so, sometimes it's like, no, it's, a, we saw it was important. And so we, we wanted to put effort towards it. So I also love, I mean, the fact that it's a conscious thought 
for you to think about how tra your travel and your car and your showers are affecting the environment is, is like just that awareness is is pretty crucial i imagine in taking the step to reducing that and making a difference moving forward um but this 150,000 trees in high school is amazing i was reading your bio i think it was on forbes and it talks about you know um carbon offsetting was supposed to be the future of sustainability and then the yeah. next sentence says carbon offsetting ended up not being the future <laughs> and it was, yeah. what 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 happened there and why was why did that not end up being what everyone thought it would be carbon offsetting well you know it was a number of things um at its core though it was carbon offsetting was intended to be this program that said you know if if you're emitting too much you either need to buy offsets and those offsets can either come from an organization that's done better than what their expectation was or you can pay money into a fund and that fund is meant to be distributed to clean energy and things like that and that, mm -hmm. that was kind of the the original concept behind it and and it came from things like kyoto protocol and these cap and trade systems and and for us i think when we look back the reason it didn't it didn't succeed was in a lot of ways because it was government mandated and there wasn't enough public awareness about the importance of it so instead there was a lot of concern around the implications of actually moving forward with this how would it cost the consumer and that sort of thing you look at that a decade ago to today where there's such a consumer and sort of individual awareness around our own footprints and how important sustainability is and and people are voting with their dollars so what's what's interesting now is whereas before it was this system that was meant to be mandated by a government now what you're seeing is this system coming together that's really focused on on uh, basically opting in voluntary offsets. So companies are investing in these projects out of the goodness of their hearts because they know that it's expected of them now because sustainability, caring for the environment and the planet, it's it's table stakes now. Is, is this a generational thing? You know, people always say that millennials care differently yeah. than, than previous generations. What's your take? I, I think there's absolutely a part of that. Um, yeah. You know, I think there's, if you look at sort of the generational divide and, and where the people are that really care about the environment, I wouldn't say that one generation cares about the environment uh, and the other doesn't. But I think definitely we've all grown up with different types of media, different awareness for these different problems. And, and you know, the, the reality is, is that our parents' generation and things like that came up in a time when there wasn't as much awareness to this we've kind of grown up with the with the planet being at the forefront so to kind of expect somebody that you know spent 30 40 50 years with that not really as important to them in the grand yeah. scheme of things not because they didn't want it to be but because they didn't know or or wasn't they weren't as educated on it you know it's definitely there's there's a big divide to overcome it's it's interesting i think i think we are in a unique position to to care more about the environment well diff to care differently in the sense that like when i was growing up i remember when people would like throw trash out of their window yeah and now like now i look at littering and i'm like like who who does that you know so we were a part of that kind of switch for whatever reason and like we remember just like before okay. iphones or whatever and it's like oh now we're able to appreciate 
things differently are, you know, people our age. Uh, I, I was, I was, I saw a piece of litter the other day and I was just aghast. I was like, what the heck? Yeah. Why can't you just not, <laughs> it was just like a weird concept. Like I can't believe that used to be normal anyway. Yeah. Well, yeah. and I think the reality is, is that if you kind of trace it back to it, it's not that caring about the planet just happened. But I think we've we've all gone through this sort of evolution of trying to grasp the magnitude of the problem that's in front of us. And I think when you think of these challenges that we're faced with, whether it be littering, whether it be you know ocean plastic or carbon in the atmosphere, things like that, th these issues are big and, and they're really hard to solve. And so for us as individuals that are now fed, you know, little tiles on our social media are really bite-sized information. It, it's challenging for us to be able to to actually care about something that's that sort of vast, mm. distant, and you know, abstract. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and nuanced. Yeah. Um, so you're alluding to Tentry. We talked about Tentry earlier. Tell us about the origins of that, and then I would love to hear uh, the process of how that has grown to the behemoth that it is now. Yeah. Well, you know, we so we started Tentry about eight years ago. And my brother, Caitlin, and our partner, Dave, you know, they, they were traveling at the time together and they were traveling, I, I think it was in Hawaii actually. And they sort of were, were seeing, frankly, a lot of the issues that were, that we were just talking about, the litter, the things that, you know, the, the sort of city encroaching on the, on the environment and things like that. And their big belief was, well, we want to do something about this. And fortunately, we, you know, my brother and I had this background in tree planting. We knew the impact of it. We knew the, the global footprint tree planting could have, and, and frankly, as well, the social impact it could have through job creation and food security. And I think for us, it, it, sort, it sort of started with the trees. And, and if you think like that, that was, the, that was the belief was how can we plant trees? But as you step one, one step out from that, really it was like, okay, well, we actually want to create a message that's different from what we see out there today. Like if you look at a lot of the environmental missions, it was, you know, messaging around the world's ending. It was like not tangible, donate a percentage of profits or something that you can't really touch or feel. Mm. And for us, it felt super disempowering. It didn't feel like you were a part of the mission. So for us, the idea was how can we create a community around this idea of trees, which serve as this incredible symbol and create a community of people that are frankly, you know, on their journey of sustainability, like th those imperfect environmentalists. How can we create that safe space for aspiring environmentalists and inspire everybody to take one more step? Mm -hmm. And then for us, it was, okay, well, how do we facilitate all this? And for, and that is our product, that's apparel. And, and for us, we started and, and admittedly like we just threw some logos on some t-shirts sold them out of the backs of our cars and you know eventually we found somebody that wasn't one of our mom's friends to sell a t-shirt to and a couple more after that and you know we were so fortunate that i think we had a ton of really early support from a really small community uh which we grew up in in, in saskatchewan uh, and that you know allowed us and gave us all these connections that people wanted to see us succeed and they believed in the mission and it kind of continued to grow and grow and grow from there and we came up in this time when you know social brands were really were really developing in a meaningful way particularly on instagram like today we have almost two and a half million followers on instagram and 
that really like that that exploded for us in the early days and got us a ton of awareness and you know for it kind of started as an online business it quickly turned into us partnering with a bunch of retail stores too we're partnered with over 1500 retail outlets across north america and europe Jeez. and then our e-com side has continued to grow as well and and you know for us the the belief was always to connect people with the trees because if we can connect them with the trees then it's going to inspire them and empower them to to not only continue to be a part of our mission but also maybe take another step in their life what does apparel have to do with trees very little to be yeah. <laughs> and you know like admittedly at the beginning we were product agnostic we cared about trees and creating this community and products are vehicle products are a way of getting in front of people getting people to talk about what we're doing but admittedly it could have been anything but what we came to realize was that there's something powerful about somebody being willing to wear a logo or something on their chest because that says something about their values it says something about what they care about and that had a, a network effect this sort of flywheel that you know somebody would see a shirt someone would ask about it and normally no one's going to say yeah i bought this shirt from h&m or the gap and how excited they are about it mm -hmm. but what we found was people were actually wanting to tell people about the shirt they bought because you know it planted trees it supported communities and then we started getting this sort of network effect that came from it. And, you know, I think the other thing which we've come to realize was apparel is a really destructive industry in so many ways, whether it be through pollution, you know, the, the global footprint of it. And we could not, we could also be a sort of vehicle to push for change in that industry. So right now our, our product, I would say that from a sustainable material standpoint and ethical manufacturing, I would say that we're in the top 1% globally. Wow. Kudos to you. Uh, it, it is, it's, it's almost so obvious of a, of like a beneficial business model that you've come up with, but it was so novel at the time, I feel like, but it's, yeah. you know, if you're going to buy, a commodity like a shirt pretty much not i mean your guys's stuff is amazing the sasquatch hoodie awesome but you know you're not making it out of camel hair or whatever like it's you know like yep. it's a it's a sweatshirt but i get to plant 10 trees with it. it's like oh my gosh no brainer i'm gonna buy it from you guys and no nowhere else you know yep. uh so I mean, we, we kind of, you know, you vote every day with the dollars you spend and yeah. you might as well. And I think if you go back a decade, you didn't have the choices that were sustainable. Um, but consumers care now. They, they, and not to say they didn't care before, but they have options too. And, yeah. you know, we're, we're trying to be one of the best options out there. Yeah. Uh, what is your lifestyle? Are you like a minimalist or in any of that stuff? Personally. Yeah, I mean, most of my most of the stuff I wear is like our cutting room samples and stuff like that. So I'm I'm often like a very bad ambassador. Everyone's like, "Where'd you get that?" I was like, "On the floor of our office." Um, <laughs> you know, I, I definitely am though. I think you know, just for me, I I tend to live with sort of less stuff. You know, more yeah. sort of essentials, basics, that sort of thing, and try to kind of get by with fewer better things. Hmm. I was looking at your Instagram. A couple of things stuck out to me. One was a graphic that said, keep earth chill, which I thought, 
I, I found a lot of entertainment in that. Yeah. Uh, and then a video that said reduce always, reuse often, and then uh, recycle. I forget what, what the tagline was for that. But yeah. anyway, I, I love the mission behind it. I'm curious, on a personal note, how, how big is your, your team at Tentry? We're about 60. So how do you how do you find balance between building this company and also being married? I have not found this balance yet. It's yeah. tough for me. I mean, I, I don't think it, it, balance is relative for sure. Oh, speaking of, I think that's Sean right there. <laughs> yeah. Sean, I was gonna say, come, come say hi to Derek. Say hello. I'm so sorry. Derek's wife is a fan of ours. Hello. Yeah, she's a huge fan. <laughs> So nice to meet you too. Uh, there's a little. Wow, what a treat! Yeah. Um, <laughs> Speaking of wives. Yeah, no kidding, man. Honestly, you know, balance is—it's so relative, and I think it—we don't have kids yet. Um, our that—that's probably coming here in the next year or two, and I think that's that's gonna change. You know what? Sort of how I, I plan and and sort of consider my whole life but i think the reality is is it's challenging it's it's yeah. super hard and you know the the best thing that i've done is frankly have a partner mm. that's with me through this and that's you know excited about what we're doing excited what, about what we're building and and i think you know the the biggest thing for me has just been about creating because i think when i'm so locked into what we're building with the company it's easy to forget what we're building as a couple too. Mm. And so for me, it's just been a, a big learning in the last few years, particularly since we've been married, which is, you know, it's it's just as important to, like I'm planning our company out five years, we need to be planning our life out five years. And if we're not both enrolled in that, in that process and excited about where we're headed, that's when we find the issues kind of crop up. Dang, bro, you got me all pumped up. I like the way you <laughs> think about things. Um, that's awesome. What are your What are your goals? You mentioned with ten tree, plant a billion trees by twenty thirty. What about? Have you put any thought into what's next? Maybe. You know, I think what gets us excited, what gets me excited, is is just everything surrounding the issues that we're facing as a planet, and what what gets me excited is about all the exciting solutions that people are coming out with all these like novel ideas whether it's you know creating products out of ocean plastic whether it's planting trees all these sorts of things for me my my hope is that sort of professionally i can i can provide and sort of support people that are on that journey that that we're sort of you know maybe in chapter three or four of and help them sort of mm. scale and, and create those ideas as a company we want to plant a billion trees uh that's something we're excited about and as a family i think we just want to create i, I just want us to you know be as motivated and excited about what we're creating as a family as i am about what we're trying to create as a company that that's all i think i can ask for a billion trees though think about that <laughs> that's great big number <laughs> that's so awesome all right so you've co-founded several different companies uh and has have obviously a great deal of proven success i'm curious when you think back on how you've gotten to where you are can you tell us three things that maybe somebody has told you or you've you've learned through experience that uh, you have found a value that you could share with us? 
Yeah. I mean, I think the, one of the most important ones is just listen more. I think, you know, it's, it's the, if you want money, ask for advice. If you want advice, ask for money sort of idea. And I think that's something that we've definitely lived by. We didn't know what we were doing when we started an apparel company. All we knew was trees. And so we've been fortunate that we've been really humble about that and, and tried and, you know, ask people for support and they've been more than generous in giving it. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's, you know, it's be humble and ask for like, ask questions, be curious. Uh, a big one for me that somebody told me years back is that, you know, decisions are like doors. You can walk through them and you can also go back. And I think one of the things that we've found it, as we're starting companies, every decision feels like it's a giant decision. You must know this when, when you're running a company, every, you get decision fatigue constantly. And so it, it's important that you stop making every decision life or death. And a big step for us in that was just realizing that decisions aren't final. You can step back through them and, and you know, reflecting on decisions you make and considering that, how could I have made this a more open-ended decision? And I think the last thing is just embrace fallibility. Like for us, this comes down to like, I'm not a perfect environmentalist. No, very few people want to be, want to live the lifestyle of an absolute perfect granola environmentalist. And, you know, it embrace that fallibility because the world doesn't get changed by a million perfect environmentalists. It gets changed by billions of imperfect ones. And that's what we've done as founders that's what we've done as leaders within our teams is embrace that fallibility wow so doing these interviews is so satisfying to me because i i feel like it's a reason for me to get to connect with people who are changing the world and perhaps no one is doing that more tangibly than you are and so i just admire what you're doing so much uh i i'm thankful that you're doing it and i'm excited to see you guys uh continue to change the world and plant a billion trees man congrats for everything and thanks for taking the time to sit down with me today yeah man it's my pleasure thanks for having me great to chat